All right, cool. Ryan, thanks for joining me today. Thanks, Greg. Appreciate yeah, it. Good seeing you. I know we uh, we had talked a few weeks ago. We met up at uh, CJI in Miami yep. a week or two ago, two weeks yeah, two ago. Weeks ago. The, at this point, and yep. uh, you happen to be down in the area, so thanks for stopping by. Yeah, no problem. Enjoy being here, and uh, good to catch up with you. Yeah, sure. So first, um, I guess let's. Uh, you're you're with Satcom Direct, correct? You're also on the MBAA Tax Committee Board. Yes. Is that is that the right description? The, the, yes, that is that is the right description. It's the the tax committee leadership. I'm the vice chair of the committee. Okay, cool. And so, um, you know, wanted to talk about a couple different things today. Sure. We wanted to talk tax. We wanted to talk financial reporting uh, for flight departments. Uh, probably touch on a little bit on technology. Yeah. Um, so we got a few things that we wanted to, to talk about. But maybe we could just get started by, you know, just a quick intro to you and sure. maybe, you know, what what your uh, what your day job is right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. And uh, um, so I actually started out as a pilot. Um, you know, when I was growing up, I wanted to be a pilot, uh, as, as many yeah. kids do. Right. And uh, uh, went to Embry-Riddle and sort of achieved that goal, got hired by the airlines. Um, spent five years flying for Atlantic Coast Airlines, which became Independence Air, and then promptly exited business. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so that was my first sort of you awakening. CRJ, CRJ two hundred, okay. correct. Cool. So that was sort of my first eye-opening experience to the uh, you know aviation world and the industry. Was losing my job um, and getting furloughed. So <laughs> good times. That, that was good stuff, right? <laughs> um, and my dad had always told me, you know, <laughs> it was funny because he always said, "Look, you got." to have a backup like I, I totally support you wanting to be a pilot I think it's a great job he had always kind of wanted to be a pilot so uh, he was kind of vicariously living through me but he also said look you you need to have a backup so when uh, uh, as that sort of was going on I said okay I'll go back to school and get my MBA um, so kind of did that ended up uh, getting hired by Northern Jet Management so flew in the 135 world for five years was a captain on a Citation Bravo and a Lear 45. Okay. Um, and, you know, did that, had a great time doing it, but um, there was just always something. I did finance stuff for them as well. Um, and there was always kind of a pull over to that side of things. As I got a little bit older, got married, had three kids, right? So it was like, okay. <laughs> I know how that goes. Right? Yeah. It yeah, was kind sure. of like, okay, now I need to, you know, be home a little bit more. So, um, it, at that point I kind of decided I'm going to try to make the leap over, um, to doing sort of full-time finance, uh, stuff. So yeah. was lucky enough at the time, um, that a bunch of people saw an ad for, uh, a financial analyst for a flight department in Grand Rapids. So I worked for Amway's flight department for six years as their financial analyst. Cool. And, uh, was able to be, you know, at home and, you know, watch my kids when they were young, and that was great. Um, so it was, it, you know, it was good to leave flying uh, and sort of have both the aviation skill set, but then also the finance and, yeah. and sort of Un tax. Understanding what all of this kind of translates to on the yeah. dollars and cents side of things. Exactly. So it, um, so was lucky enough then to get approached uh, by SATCOM Direct at that point in time, and they had um, just completed their acquisition of aircraft logs. Um, and so 
at that point, uh, I was a customer and uh, was working on building some software um, because Amway's flight department's quite complex. Yeah, sure. Uh, <laughs> so it um, essentially got to be good good friends um, with Doug Stewart, who was the CEO of Aircraft Logs. Um, and he said, hey, you know, I really need somebody to come. We have sort of a new product um, <clears throat> where we are uh, – essentially helping people with aviation taxes and um uh, you know it's something that i think is uh, a, a good business unit but we need someone to run it can you you know make the hop over to sd so i uh, you know said sure and so for the last four years four and a half years now i've been at satcom direct mm-hmm. um on the software side of things and run a fully outsourced tax and compliance department. So okay. my day job, effectively, <laughs> is uh, you know an office space where they talk about the engineers not talking to the customer. Yeah, right. It's the same thing, right? <laughs> the flight department shouldn't talk to the tax people, right? You need you need somebody in the middle who can translate for them. So that's kind of my job is to be the guy in the middle uh, to do the translating for both sides and and help everybody make sure that they're. Um, staying compliant, but also trying to help them save some money. Okay, and so you know, I guess how does that how does that actually work? <laughs> I know you know we had talked a little bit about mm-hmm. corporate flight departments and operating an aircraft for a lot of these uh, flight departments is different than their than that than that company's day to day business, right? Yeah. And so most of these companies have probably hundreds or more accountants and you know, finance people, but uh, they really focus on that key business. What's right. the, what's the difference between their business and <laughs> operating an aircraft, and how taxes play into that? Very, very different, right? And, and that's kind of the the key part. There is, um, you know, I'm a tax guy. I have somebody else do my personal income taxes, right? <laughs> because I don't know the personal income tax rules as well as you know that particular person does. They mm-hmm. specialize in that. They know all of the benefits. They know all of the rules. They know how far they can go. They know sort of all those particular areas. And whereas you know I don't because I don't spend a lot of my time in sort of the personal income tax code. All of my time is obviously spent on the aviation side. So in the same way, you know, companies are kind of busy dealing with widget taxes or, you know, whatever they're dealing with. Um, And they're like, oh, yeah, we have this flight department and there's airplanes, which in most cases is somewhat immaterial to them because they see the numbers and it's kind of a rounding error. And, you know, which seems funny yeah. to most people, but, you know, when you're working for a $10 billion company, a, a flight department is nothing more than a rounding error. However, it's a very high optics area, right? You're dealing with the executives, you're dealing with um, sort of an area of the company that if it gets made public, um, that's hugely problematic, right. especially because of the, you know, somewhat of the negative light that surrounds um, corporate aviation in general. Wrongly placed, but yeah, still sure. those, those optics are out there that, you know. Kind of going back to like the 2008 time frame and some of the stuff that happened with some of the big companies at that point, there's been this yeah. kind of negative light that's been put on business aviation. But Correct. 
kind of not not rightly <laughs> not rightly so, so correct yeah. yeah and so it's it's more of an attempt to sort of stay out of uh, trouble if you will um, but yeah and, that, and that's it so they they essentially are focused on their piece of the puzzle but they always kind of assign someone very junior um, to the flight department or you know they kind of wait until uh, tax time's over or when tax time's starting, if you will. Yeah. And when the year is over um, and basically say, hey, just drop the shoebox of stuff off and we'll, you know, we'll take care, take of, care of everything. Well, it's kind of too late to change any behavior at that point in time. So um, effectively, uh, you know, the service is there to oh, essentially we want to be a little bit more proactive uh, when it comes to uh, helping out. It's more in that respect, we kind of have this level of expertise because we do this for a lot of companies. Um, so we understand a lot of the tax law and a lot of the things that are going on that maybe um, their particular tax people don't. Um, and we can kind of say, hey, you should try this, you should try that. Um, let's, you know. Uh, spend some time talking about how, you know, COVID has affected things. If business flying's down, but your personal flying remains the same, the percentages get a little wonky from the prior year, et cetera, et cetera. So we, we try to basically become a little bit more proactive um, and work very closely with generally tax department, accounting department, legal departments generally involved mm -hmm. if it's a public company, um, and then the flight department, and try to get everybody on the same page. Gotcha. And so becoming more of an advisor mm -hmm. than like just an administrative function. Yeah. And it's, it is, we are not a law firm, right? right? We are not an accounting firm. Right. So technically speaking, um, you know, we do the calculations. Right. That's what that's what we're there to do uh, is to perform the calculations. But at the same time, we do have expertise in this area um, and and see quite a lot of things from you know the number of customers that uh, that, that we have uh, sure. and can certainly help sort of say, hey, you know, we've seen this. You know, there are things within uh, deductibility of the air when you buy a new airplane, especially if you take bonus depreciation, which is kind of the hot words out there right, right now, right? Where where there's some ways that you can structure things that, that can save, you know, a ton of money. Mm -hmm. um, and so those types of things, we go talk to their tax team and say, hey, here are the set of rules. Then they go and review everything, and then say, "Yeah, okay, hey, we didn't we didn't know about that, but we're going to implement that because that's going to save us a lot of money." So sure. Um, so it's kind of a you know, I like to call it a hand holding relationship, if you will. Yeah. Where we uh, are there to kind of, on an ongoing basis, uh, advise and sort of tell you what's going on, on a monthly, quarterly basis. So we're bringing the right reports to the right people at the right time. Gotcha. And then also sort of saying, hey, you know, let's uh, let's see if we can get there. And, you know, there's a trend out there too. A lot of executives and a lot of people are starting to kind of want to see how much this is going to cost them before it happens. Right. right? Uh, whereas yeah. in the past, they just kind of said, hey, it is what it is. Um, but now it's starting to get more to the point where, um, 
and I don't know if that's, you know, purely a generational thing or, but there's more sort of interest being put on what exactly is this going to cost me before it happens kind of gotcha. kind of focus. So yeah. yeah. And that it's kind of, um, I had a question for you yeah. or, and it kind of ties into that is mm-hmm. that, uh, right now the business jet market is super hot. There's, yes. you know, everybody's looking for an aircraft. <laughs> right. Um, and there's people, especially <clears throat> after this last year that are getting into business aviation that weren't, uh, before. Right. Mm-hmm. So yep. there's these new people entering and saying, I want an aircraft. Right. And I've seen this firsthand people buying aircraft and then realizing <laughs> what that actually, what that it's actually entails, right? It's not cheap, <laughs> and it's not, it's not simple. It's not easy, right? Right, exactly. It's, it's not like buying a car and you just go and drive it wherever you want and do right. whatever you want, and you kind of worry about, you know, things later. Yep. There's a lot of uh, complexities in operating an aircraft. Have you, have you seen that? Have you brought on new customers that are kind of first time uh, owners, and any advice for that type of? Uh, of operator yeah um do your research beforehand right yeah uh, and that's that's kind of the big pieces they um our industry is full of people who you know would love to uh sell things um uh, right there's plenty of brokers and you know uh, yeah. <laughs> sales guys out there <laughs> that are are trying to earn a living and i'm not saying that there's bad actors out there because 99 percent of everyone in this industry yeah. is great right sure um but there's still a, you know, hey, this is exactly how much it's going to cost aspect um, and somewhat of a transparency aspect. And I, I think the, the, the transparency as a whole when it comes to finance, expense, taxes, budgets, those types of things, right? Yeah. We just don't have the level of transparency in this industry that we need to be right. successful. And so you get these people that come in. You know, they get promised the world. Um, they sell an airplane, and sort of the transaction team, if you will, gets to do their job. Yeah. But then, it, the transaction team leaves and goes on to the next transaction. Well, now you have this operator who's there, who's going. Well, I, what do I do now? Right? I don't. Which I mean, obviously, there's management companies and yeah, sure. You, you know, different areas and things that they can, uh, you know, services that they can utilize. But at the same time, you know, if they were expecting, you know, bonus depreciation is a perfect example, right? Um, so bonus is great, uh, but it's nothing more than a timing thing, um, and it, it will save you a lot of money. Uh, if you have the income to offset it. Mm-hmm. Well, so it needs to be a business activity and you need to yeah. actually have the income to offset it. So, um, you know, a lot of times you get what we call the uh, the country club effect, right? Where, <laughs> you know, person A goes and talks to person B at the country club and they say, oh yeah, I, you know, got this huge tax deduction for buying this airplane. You should go do that too. Well, that person's circumstance might be completely different. Right. Um, and there, there might be, uh, you know, no way for them to actually utilize that benefit. Mm-hmm. But because their buddy did it, right, now all of a right. sudden it's like, oh, hey. So it's level-setting expectation mm-hmm. that I think is very important uh, on the front end. And that historically has not happened well because the transparency hasn't been sort of up to the level that it should be. Gotcha. So, okay, that's my you know, <laughs> your 
your guidance. But my guidance and opinion is find good advisors that can help you understand exactly what it's going to cost, not what they think it's going to cost, right? Right. Not. uh, (laughs) Yeah, and and I think cost is one side of it too, is like, you know, you can buy an aircraft. It doesn't mean that you just fly it wherever you want, whenever you want, with whoever you want. Yeah. Um, There's a lot that goes into actually operating an aircraft. Yeah. Uh, and the big piece, you know, from that side, especially if it's a corporate-owned airplane or or a business that's doing the airplane, if you're using it personally, yeah, every sort of bit that you're using it personally is that deduction is getting sliced off, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, so, sure. But it's understanding that beforehand to say, yeah, I'm going to fly, you know, 400 hours a year, but 200 of it is for personal and 200 is business, right? Let's yeah. say. Well, if you know that ahead of time. Then it's not going to be a big shock when it, you know after your first year, <clears throat> your deduction isn't as big as you think it is yeah, going to be. Right sure. now, now you're aware of the fact your expectation has been level set that this is going to happen. So um, it's kind of understanding how you're going to operate the airplane, whom is going to be on board, what that looks like, and sort of running that proactively uh, yeah. rather than being reactive uh, and understanding that ahead of time um you know we had a customer who basically we signed up with us because effectively they didn't know any of this stuff right Mm -hmm. so they they said look we need somebody to hold our hand through this but we really want to be proactive in in dealing with all of these issues and we have a great transaction team um and their lawyers actually reached out to me and said hey i think these guys are going to need a little bit of help once they get going in in sort of operating and and understanding how to actually do this, and we think you're you know a decent fit because you were a pilot and you know sure. you you know <laughs> you kind of understand their needs, but also the tax people's needs. So yeah, that that was kind of hey um, you know like you said, there's complexity in operating, but understanding how to be proactive and sort of level setting that expectation is extremely important. Sure. And so, you know, as you're, um, you had mentioned, like, you don't do your own taxes because you're not up to speed on all of these regulations for right. your personal. <laughs> um, but what, is, what does keep, like, how often is tax law changing for the operation of aircraft? And, and how involved is that? And that that's kind of question right. one. And two is, like, is there anything that's, uh, recently changed that mm. people need to know about or things that you might know are kind of coming down the pipe that would uh, yeah, impact them? So it's a good question, and, and it's one of the reasons why having someone sort of on staff, if you will, that's paying attention to those right. uh, is a good idea, right? Mm. Um, and I, it's not going to change yearly. The last big change... Uh, was the Tax Cut and Jobs Act of 2017 that did have a few things in it that, you know, kind of, there was some good and some bad, if you will, that that ended up happening uh, with that. Um, And so, uh, but prior to that, 2012 was kind of when some of uh, what we call the disallowance rules went final. Mm -hmm. Those actually came into place in 2004. 
So that's another thing that, you know, the rule itself came to, to be in 2004, but the actual regulations weren't finalized and written until 2012. So there was an eight-year gap there. Really fast-moving. Super fast-moving <laughs> government, right? So, <laughs> which, you know, that's why I still get people who, you know, it's 2021 now. Yeah. 2017 was when the Tax Cut and Jobs Act passed. Granted, it was the end of 2017, mm-hmm. so it's, <laughs> you know, uh, but still, that not all of the regulations for the things that have changed have really been written yet. Gotcha. So it's an ongoing thing. And so, um, you know, one of the big ones that uh, essentially changed uh, was they took away uh, 1031s, uh, which... If you're familiar, essentially, when you sell an airplane, um, you have to pay taxes on that gain. Right. Well, <clears throat> historically, you could roll that gain into your next airplane. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, so, unfortunately, they kind of took that away. Mm. In the meantime, they did actually extend bonus depreciation, which was great. But that now has a ceiling as well. So um, coming up in 23, it's going to start stepping down from 100 percent to 80 to 60 to 40 to 20 through 2027, which is cool. But the way the math works out, if you sell and buy an airplane in the same year that you take bonus, you're actually offsetting that. Um, And so you're getting the the math works out to be the same as a 1031. But – once bonus goes away, that doesn't exist anymore. And so you don't have a vehicle by which to do that. So pretty soon, people are going to start selling airplanes, and they're going to get a pretty hefty tax bill mm. that comes along with selling an airplane. Um, so hopefully, you know, we can work on kind of negotiating and <laughs> getting, getting to the right people on Capitol Hill to sort of say, hey, we'd love to kind of have this back. Um, kind of thing but right um so yeah those rules um but it's the other piece of it was commuting um and so there were some rules that changed around the deductibility of commuting um and so nbaa has been working you know very closely with the treasury department and the irs trying to kind of figure out what what exactly that means right when and what a lot of people don't understand is when they change those laws, right? They basically write two sentences into the law, and they say, "Oh, commuting is no longer deductible." Oh, great. Well, what does that mean? Sure. <laughs> right. This is why it takes them eight years yeah. to write the actual law behind it, right? And say, "This is what was meant. This is what actually, from a legislative history standpoint, this is what goes into uh, into those things." Um, so, essentially, they. Um, yeah, from a commuting standpoint, commuting is no longer deductible, uh, but there are kind of exceptions and ways around it, and, yeah. and um, there's a you know sort of a security side to it as well that uh, you can make it deductible again if there's a security concern. Um, but those types of rules are more you know living as well in the sense that you know you have something big happen like COVID. Well, all of a sudden is that from a security standpoint, right? Like if I want my executives flying on the airlines or do I want them flying on a corporate right. jet? Well, you know, I don't know. Right. Right. Sure. <laughs> so those types of rules and how they change, it's not always 
this black and white bright line test of here you go. Yeah. There's a ton of gray involved. Yeah. Um, and so understanding what's gray, why it's gray, how far can you go, right? What is what sure. what are others doing out there in the industry? What is you know, sort of how that's all working is important. So Okay. Um, yep. Do you see, you know, um, there was a lot of talk at CJI about sustainability and green, and now there's, you know, build back better. Yep. Um, and uh, do you see that impacting uh, tax and financial reporting and things for operators that may be taking a, a, a greener approach in the future? I hope so. Uh, I think it's probably the long term anyways. Mm -hmm. I view it as one of the biggest threats to corporate aviation, yeah, right? Sure. I mean, we all kind of, yeah. you know, 10 years ago, people would have said, oh, whatever, you know, it doesn't matter. But there's, you know, even... Even on the corporate side, as we were talking earlier about, you know, sort of back in 2008, there are activist groups out there that do just that. They go basically, you know, try to find out those companies that are sort of utilizing the assets improperly, if you will, and, and go sue them. Like, right. that's their job. Yeah. Um, and, and so if people think there isn't this threat out there, there is. Yeah. Right? Um, where, so yes, do I hope, um, you know, a lot of the times behavior can be driven with the right incentive. And that's, uh, you know, I think NATA um, uh, has done a great job uh, uh, along with NBAA and, you know, sort of the industry as a whole in regards to SAF of saying, hey, look, there was a gap there between what it was actually costing and what, you know, regular <laughs> Jet A was costing. Yeah. So let's utilize tax code as a way to essentially drive the proper incentives. Mm -hmm. um, and so they, you know, they, they had the credit that was applied. Um, and that certainly is a big help. So, um, yeah, I think definitely the tax code can be used in a good way um, for the environment of saying, hey, let's make this something that's a priority. Yeah. Um, I hope they can kind of more quickly catch up to the fact that this is going to be an issue in the next five years. Right. Uh, and sort of drive behavior by placing the incentives in the right spot. Yeah, sure. Rather than trying to punish, you know, focus on punishment in the in the future. <laughs> Correct. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Absolutely. Now, it's an in interesting topic. I'm sure there'll be <laughs> much more that, that comes in the next year or yeah. two all around this. Uh, but kind of circling back, you, you had talked about um, some of the transparency mm -hmm. or lack of visibility into like expenses, budgeting. I think some of that plays into the technology that's that's available. And Correct. so um, talk to me a little bit about, you know, what that means to you, kind of your your view on the the SaaS landscape sure. in business aviation, and maybe some uh, a little bit about one of your your recent partnerships. Sure. So we, uh, uh, yeah, the SaaS landscape, if you will, within corporate aviation. I think uh, you know, <laughs> it kind of follows, um, you know, pilots and mechanics and and money don't necessarily mix, right? Um, and so it's always kind of been 
<laughs> in the back corner, if you will, where yeah. uh, you know the maintenance side is served very well with SaaS. I think there was a lot of entrance into the market there, as you're familiar with. Yeah. Um, you, you know, the uh, operating side obviously has become important. Um, so there's a lot of schedulers out there. There's a lot of sort of operation software. Yeah. Uh, and then you go, okay, well, then there's got to be good you know, solid finance software. And, you know, I worked for a $10 billion company for six years and got to be, and I, I was actually a finance employee. So I got to watch sort of the fintech stuff happen on that side of the coin, right? right? And say, hey, look, so here's a corporate finance department. They're, they've got spend management tools. They've got all this really neat stuff, all these really cool things getting installed. There has to be something like that in aviation, right? No, no. <laughs> <laughs> There's not. Um, and so essentially it was like, oh, okay, all right. Well, that's, that's interesting. Um, and so I think it's a very underserved market. Um, so uh, we, we had done a bunch of homework and a bunch of research out there for uh, who was out there. Um, and so Satcom Direct uh, signed a strategic partnership with a company called MySky yep. uh, about a year and a half ago. Uh, and that's sort of MySky's goal is to make things way more transparent. Um, so utilizing some really cool SaaS technology um, of sort of getting the information into the system and then doing things with it that you know not very many people have done. Um, has sort of uh, you know can benefit uh, our customers tremendously, mm-hmm. um, and and it opens up a door into that level of transparency of knowing you know years ago, flight departments would say you know the, the CEO and the director of aviation would be good friends right and they'd hang out with each other and it was like yeah, whatever it just you know <laughs> it costs what it costs don't worry yeah, about sure. it right uh, kind of thing and and that's how it was for years and that right. was great but I think it's starting to get to the point where you know there's a lot more controls around it and there's a lot more CFOs that are coming into companies that are saying hey where's my KPIs where's my you know where's my reporting and out comes a spreadsheet from 1983 yeah uh, and they're like what <laughs> what is this <laughs> what is this <laughs> right <laughs> you go to an executive committee meeting where you know everybody's reporting and they have all these neat SaaS tools and have these great presentations and then there's the director of aviation back there who you know loads up a crappy old spreadsheet from uh, yeah. 30 years ago and is like, here's where we are. <laughs> and it's just like, wait a minute. <laughs> so essentially it's, uh, you know, having sort of very easy reportable um, type a- expenses, but also having sort of that transparency into what exactly is going on. Um, so they've, MySky has done a great job of um, on the spend management side of, essentially setting up a way to input all of your expenses, uh, you know, sort of automatically. Okay. Um, and then they've also sort of turned that forward as well um, and have very recently also done sort of more of the proactive side of things where, you know, they have new um, quote tools and budgeting tools. Okay. And so going back to, um, you know, sort of, hey, letting people know what this is actually going to cost is important. Sure. Um, and so we're, we're very excited about the partnership. I think, uh, you know, at least I am. And, and it, uh, <laughs> uh, 
uh, there's a lot of really good things that can come from, um, you know, we didn't necessarily want to build it because uh, we were never going to catch up to the level of technology they had. Yeah, sure. Um, so it was it was a good partnership opportunity that presented itself. Um, and so we're, we're excited to have them on board. Yeah. Well, and I, I think what's cool too, um, and just working, you know, I've worked with SATCOM Direct in the past, and I think just the integration strategy mm-hmm. that you guys have taken on some of your things is, is seems to be the right approach because, yep. you know, you can't build it all and you can't Correct. be everything for everyone. <laughs> and so, you know, trying to find the right partners yeah. um, and open up integrations and allow that free flow of data, I think is something that everybody should be looking at. And I know that some of the players in the in the space are, you know, a little bit, uh, you know, maybe antiquated software. And sometimes the software is preventing them. The technology is preventing yeah. them from doing this. But I think it's also a mindset on, you know, understanding what you're good at, maybe what you're not as good at. Exactly. And, uh, and trying to create really just the best value for your customers at the end of the day. And that's it, right? And that's really what the focus is at this point in time is, is working on you know, understanding that we can't build everything, right? Right. Um, because it's just not it's not possible. Um, can we partner with sort of the industry leading companies in different areas? Um, but then also partnering with those who have the same ideals as us. Yeah, sure. That basically say, look, this isn't our data. It's not my data. It's the customer's data. It's their data. Mm-hmm. And if they want to do things with that data then we should be open to that, right? And we should have these integrations. And, you know, it's one of the things that I look at and I go, you know, historically in the finance side especially, uh, and even on the tax side, marrying operational data and finance data is not something that has really happened Mm -hmm. Um, of, of saying, you know, hey, here's all of the, you know, the flights that occurred, but then let's directly tie all of those expenses to those flights. I mean, right. there's a there's a little bit of that goes on, but not you know to the level that it should be occurring. Right. So, um, so marrying sort of these silos that exist, um, that you know, I always used to joke that flight departments had 27 pieces of software and none of them talked to each other. Yeah. Well, that's <laughs> right. It was true. I worked in one for six years and it was frustrating because yeah. it was like, well, we have to type stuff into here and then we have to type stuff into there and then there and then there and then there. And it was like, there's got to be a better way. Yeah. Like, So from that standpoint, yeah, certainly having that, hey, we want to integrate to just get the right data to the right places to be able to better make decisions. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it can save money. It can increase safety. Um, you know, there's a lot of really good benefits that can occur when you get the right data to the right people at the right time. Sure. Um, and so that's kind of the ultimate goal of the strategy of sort of de-siloing those data units, uh, smashing that stuff together in a meaningful way. Yeah, sure. Um, and and being able to then display that to the customer so they can, you know, uh, operate better and more efficiently. Yeah, sure. I think it's it's cool. It's cool to see, like, where some of this new technology is going. It seems yeah. like there's a couple new players that have, 
you know, entered into the market that are looking at things in a much different way. Mm -hmm. Um, Because I always looked at a lot of the software that was out there was really focused on just making jobs easier or making, you know, workflows more efficient. But there was really a lack in, okay, how can we, you know, if you're a charter operator, how can you drive more revenue? How can you make decisions that are going to um, really expand your margins? Or as a corporate operator, you know, really locking in on the cost and budgeting side of things. And um, now with the technology that's out there and the capabilities for integrations, there's some pretty cool stuff that's happening to get more eyes on the on the dollars. Yep. And uh, I've been talking with a, a few people about this. And I think what's going to happen, though, and what everybody needs to be pretty aware of is that as these things be, start becoming available mm-hmm. and uh, operators start uh you know, implementing them, that the people that have been doing things the same way for the last, you know, 20, 30 years, um, there's a potential that your competition could really come and and eat your lunch, right? Oh, yeah. And um, it's something that everybody needs to be aware of. And I think in the last year, some operators, some just businesses in general have really opened their eyes to say like, Okay, we've been doing okay. We've been growing a little bit each year, just doing the same old stuff. Uh, But COVID has really like changed things for for some people. And it has. And I'll I'll put it this way: these are not new ideas, right? Right? Like it's just taking. And again, I'll, I'll draw the parallel to the finance world, right? This has been going on for 15 years, 20 mm-hmm. years in the finance world. Yeah, sure. You look at what SAP and what Oracle have done with ERP systems and all of the players that are coming out of basically saying, hey, look, we have all these disparate data silos. We need to figure out a way to marry operational data and financial data and everything together. This has been happening for 20 years, right? You look at what happened with banking and, and yeah, you know, sure. people who are getting their lunch eaten, uh, <laughs> <laughs> right? The, the same thing has happened. It just never was applied to aviation. Yeah. Um, and, and so now it's starting to, and people are going, hey, there's, if you can draw the right parallels to the right industry, right, and say, okay, look, this isn't a new idea. It's been done before in other industries. Let's yeah. just apply it across the way into aviation and that's it's scary right change is scary yeah for a lot of people and so if you're an operator and for some reason in this industry whether it be charter fractional you know whatever it is change is scary yeah um but certainly understanding that there are better ways to operate out there you know one of the things we get all the time is well i'm afraid i'm going to lose my job yeah. If you bring the software in, and I don't, I, you know, I've never actually done any, you know, truly deep research into this, but I'd, I'd love to, but don't have time. Yeah. But seeing sort of, you know, your job will change, but I don't think you're going to lose too many people, right? You're going to go from more of a input and 
you know, basically data entry role into actually analyzing. Right. We still need human beings to yeah. actually analyze things and say, you know, hey, what is the right decision? Computers aren't making those decisions yet, yeah. right? And and nor will they for years. Uh, yeah. <laughs> now, I, in in you know, like twelve years in selling software that mm-hmm. really streamlined a lot of daily processes, we never saw anybody make the decision to say, well, now that we have this, we're gonna lay off people. Right. It, it, every operation, for the most part that I visited, everybody was always somewhat short-staffed, yeah. right? There was always things that they wanted to get to that they could never get to because of right. all the other crap that they were dealing with. Yep. And so we always like, you know, you insert that software, it makes their day-to-day life easier. It makes, you know, the yeah. it, it eliminates a lot of the tasks that don't, they're just frustrating, time-consuming, and really administrative, right. and allows them to free up their time so that they can be more proactive and looking at different areas of the business, selling more, becoming more efficient, yep. like uh, going after new ideas or new projects and sure. things like that. and. You know, it, it just benefits them. And so I know people are scared about that. It just it just doesn't happen. It doesn't. And 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 that's why I like I said, I'd love to see more statistics in that in that sort of realm because I, I think there's a lot of people that are afraid of that, but it doesn't happen. And yeah. I don't I don't see it happening. Um you know, I think it just like you said, it makes people more productive yeah. actually at the end of the day because they're able to analyze, they're able to go do these other projects, they're able to get to all those other things, learn more, understand more. Um, and and those are all good things, right? right. That's that that is good stuff that needs to happen. Yeah. Instead of just doing this rote task of, okay, well, let me type in, you know, this, that, yeah. and the other thing. So, yeah. Um, you know, one, one of the uh, CEOs of one of the tra- uh, top charter companies mm-hmm. out there was, was talking at CJI mm-hmm. uh, a few weeks ago. And uh, one of the questions that was posed to him was, you know, how do you see technology, you know, impacting the business? And um, he had a very similar mindset on where he, he said, you know, we're looking at technology to really enhance the customer experience, right. but that doesn't mean that it's going to take our people out of the the mix. Like exactly. the idea of just like you know clicking a button to book a flight, doing everything through an app, just showing up, and and it all being done is probably not going to not going to happen. And if it does, it's probably not going to create an experience that's great for our customers um, because this is such a complex thing. And so they're using technology to enhance that, to make their service better, to streamline some things, but it doesn't mean that they're eliminating people from the mix. Well, and at the same time, this is a service business. Let's not lie, right? I mean, this is absolutely a relationship and a service-based business where, um, you know, losing that becomes difficult. Like, I get it, right? Uber's fun, Lyft is fun. I whip out my (laughs) app and, you know, 10 minutes later, I'm in a car driving somewhere. That's cool, right? Um, But at the same time, you know, that's $10 that I'm spending, right. not $10 million. Right. So there, there's still this, you know, gap there to a service level that's expected. And, and you know, one of the things that we always love to say 
there and uh, you know is look with with this additional transparency that's coming and with these tools that are coming you know people are afraid of that but at the same time right this industry is notorious for people stealing each other's pie instead of focusing on making a bigger pie. Yeah, sure. Right? Um, and, and so the whole idea is, look, we need to stop like stealing each other's pie. <laughs> yeah. And we just need to bake a bigger pie. There's a ton of people out there, and especially COVID has shown us that. Yeah. There's a ton of people out there that have the means to be in this industry in some respect. Right. Right? Um, so let's bring them in. Let's grow the pie because everybody wins then. Yeah. Right? Like I understand that there are – ways that, you know, companies are, are fearful of that because they're making a good margin. Uh, you know, as, as a, a <laughs> wise man once told yeah. me, there's, there, there's margin and mystery, yeah. right? Um, and, and it's, while that might be the case, right, I think being more transparent and having those tools available as a whole for the industry is going to grow. Everybody is going to be more successful because it's a bigger industry yeah. at the end of the day. Now, I think that that's a great way to look at it. And um, I had worked with, with some of the executive team at Cirrus Aircraft mm -hmm. uh, over the last few years. And what I thought was really cool about their approach and one of their like main drivers for growth was like, we don't, we're not focused on trying to get somebody out of a Cessna and right. into a Cirrus. We're trying to attract people from outside of the industry that have either never flown before, never right. owned a plane before, but really showing them that, you know, flying a, whether it's a, you know, a turboprop or a, a light jet is actually a feasible thing right. for, for a good group of, uh, a good group of people. And they were, they were really trying to, you know, gear their marketing and their sales and their image and brand towards attracting more people from outside of the industry. And I think that yep. that opportunity exists for, you know, a, a lot of the businesses in, uh, in, in the industry. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I, I you know, I think that's it is there's, uh, you know, you look at some of the statistics and of, of the number of people that have the means to be in corporate aviation versus those who are. Yeah. And I can't, you know, I can't quote those off the top of my head because I don't know them, right? 79% yeah. <laughs> of statistics are made up on the spot anyways. But, <laughs> um, you know, <laughs> but uh, you know, that said, having seen some of those numbers before and looking at some of those studies, it's kind of mind boggling yeah. because it is very much a low number of people who could. And there's a huge area of people who can that aren't. Yeah. Um, and whether that be, you know, uh, going back to your earlier point about sustainability, right? That's another thing is by getting in front of that, you can probably convert some people by making it more transparent. Sure. There's been a lot of people who have come in, sort of dipped their toe in the water, had a really bad experience, and yeah. then left, right? Yeah. Um, and said, I'm never going back to that, right? I, sure. Um, so, yeah, there's, there's definitely ways – that I think software, especially when it comes to, you know, finance, expense, tax, those areas that are scary yeah. for most people, right? To to sort of have this ability now to say, look, we can we can work with you, we can make things more transparent, we can give you decent advice, we can tell you what this costs beforehand, yeah. we can be way more proactive and make the experience as a whole a lot better for everyone. 
and that benefits the industry as a whole. Yeah, and sure. that's the end goal, right? Is let's just again let's make this a bigger pie, right? So that everybody can profit from it. Yeah, sure. Now I mean, it makes sense, and I think one of the key things to uh, you know creating a bigger pie is having enough people inside of the industry to su- to support that. And we've yep. talked a lot about that on this podcast and just in general about, you know, kind of workforce development. Yep. Uh, but more specifically, I wanted to ask you a little bit about uh, your CAM certification. Yes. So you have your pin on. I now, I actually <laughs> noticed it's upside down. Uh-oh. Uh, so if you're able to spin that around, there, there you go. go. All right. um, but, so talk, talk to me a little bit about um, what, what, first let's start, what is CAM? And uh, and maybe walk us through what that what that looked like for you. Sure, no, I'd love to. And so a CAM is a certified aviation manager. Um, it's a uh, certificate program that the NBAA has had for years. Okay. Um, and essentially it's a um, professional development uh, possibility uh, for everyone in the industry, not just pilots, but right. everyone in the industry. Um, to learn more uh, sort of about all of the different areas of the business and sort of uh, essentially um, understand more sort of cohesively everything that's going on rather than just their area, right? right. Um, and, and so there's now, gosh, I want to say just over 700 um, in the world. Mm-hmm. And so MBAA has done a great job of um, sort of creating this professional development program and then maintaining it um, and getting people excited about it. Um, And I've seen, especially over the last couple of years, a lot of the um, sort of directors of aviation positions that become open, you're starting to see more and more that, hey, this is a certification, an industry certification that is necessary. Right. You need to have it um, kind of thing. Um, And so... Uh, for me, the value in it, I was very lucky. I'll put it that way. I got mine in 2013. Um, so I've had it for yeah almost eight years now. Um, I was very lucky to have a mentor. Um, so when I was at Amway, one of their chief pilots had recently completed his cam and was very much like, hey, if you're interested, I can help. Yeah. Um, and that was, that was amazing, right? Mm-hmm. So it's kind of... Having uh, you know uh, someone to lean on to go through the program, um, sure. and and that was very helpful. I was also very fortunate. So my weakest area uh, was maintenance, right? right. Um, and that was just you know I'd been a pilot, and you know I kind of knew the finance and the money side and the tax side and all of the HR stuff, and I'd kind of been exposed to all of it except for the maintenance stuff. So um, I was also very lucky to have a director of maintenance. So Tom Meyer, um, who's yeah. just a wonderful person, uh, was was very helpful with his time when I was studying a lot cool. of the maintenance stuff as well. So, um, you know, I love the program itself in the sense of it identifies those people who are capable of going through and learning more about not just their specific area, yeah. right? And and I think we've sort of seen that as time has gone on where there's a lot more schedulers and dispatchers that are starting to apply for it. There's yeah. a lot more mechanics that are starting to apply for it. Yeah. Um, you know, and that's, that's, that's it. That's what we need. We need more, 
you know, everybody says it, but we need more diversity in the workplace yeah. when it comes to that. But it, just even positional diversity is extremely important. Uh, and understanding that there are people in sort of the scheduling field or the maintenance field and and so on that have really good leadership ability, that have, um, you know, the ability to run flight departments. And we've seen that. There's right. been quite a f- shift over the last few years to, you know, and I'm not I'm not pilot bashing, trust me. I'm not. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You're a pilot, so you I can. I am a pilot, you but right. if you want. Well, right? and, and it, it just, you know, like I said, I... I would much rather be sitting at a table with a whole bunch of extraordinarily educated people um, from different areas that I can then, you know, make a good decision. Yeah, uh, sure. Uh, rather than, you know, sort of being in this tunnel of, you know, hey, I'm, I'm here. Um, so that's why I, you know, really – the CAM program has been uh, very successful for NBAA, um, and I think it's starting to become a lot more important. Um, yeah. They've recently uh, started the six months to CAM program, which has absolutely been amazing mm-hmm. um, of getting people from, well, I kind of want to think about doing it, but I don't know. I might not have a mentor. I might not be you know, um, able to devote what I think is the necessary time into a very structured program of saying here's where we're going to start get a study yeah. group right go through these six months and by the end of it you you know you should be able to pass the test yeah uh, sure so it's been it's been really successful and i i you know um love helping out as well so just you know if there's anybody out there that's listening to this that's like yeah. hey i you know i love it but the finance and tax stuff scares me get a hold of me yeah <laughs> <laughs> Well, cool. I, I, I think it's it's really awesome. And, you know, one of the things that I've seen over the years is like just people believing that they're, you know, because they came into an organization at through a certain entry point, like mm-hmm. as a mechanic or as a pilot or uh, on the, you know, scheduling side of things or on the line or what, whatever it may be, right. doesn't mean that there's only one career path. Right. And, uh, and I believe that the, the CAM program really can open up, uh, one, just from an educational standpoint yeah. to understand in a more holistic way, you know, what, you know, what does a, uh, what goes into running a flight department and really understanding all the different aspects of that. And so I think that's really cool. I'm happy to hear it's going well and more people are, are getting involved in it yeah. uh, because we need that. You know, we, we need we, we need to make sure that we keep good people yep. inside the industry. Um, and I think it also helps, you know, in attracting new talent from outside. Yeah. Well, and leadership is leadership, right? Yeah. Uh, and, and that's <laughs> that's it, right? Yeah. It doesn't matter whether you were a pilot, mechanic, whatever. Um, and yeah, you know, we talk about the you know the great pilot shortage, and you know, and but it's not just pilots; no. it's everybody. It's right? everybody. Yeah. So we need to develop and retain talent. We need to bring new people into the industry. We need to get people excited about different areas and so on. Um, and, and and so yeah, I think having sort of that CAM program for people to have something to aspire to, um, to work towards, to study on, and yeah. and and get up to that point is is certainly important. So um, yeah. yeah, definitely. For sure. Well, 
I guess uh, I don't know. We've been going for about an about an hour now, Jeez. maybe a little That's bit quick. longer. <laughs> uh, but I guess you know any anything else that you want to touch on in regards to you know the future, what what you may be working on at SD. Um, just you know, we're continuing to sort of try to expand out. Obviously, uh, numerous different partnerships, and um, you know, make things. Uh, Sort of better for everyone right. uh, when it comes to um, getting the right data in front of the right people at the right time. Yeah. Um, and and so yeah, it's you know my my little slice of heaven is uh, <laughs> with the finance side and uh, you know the partnership with MySky and the um, and the aviation tax side. You know, my end goal is to basically alleviate somebody's headache. Right? Um, is there's a lot of people out there who are kind of like yeah, I have this stuff that is, is happening and I just, I don't want to deal with it. I don't know how to deal with it, right? Um, so it's more about, hey, can I come in from a, you know, it's a good idea from an expertise standpoint, from a business continuity standpoint, where essentially you have, you know, everybody's lost people in the last, I don't know, you know, 25, 30-year-old yeah. veterans that leave and that industry knowledge is just gone, Right. Mm -hmm. um, and, and so having somebody there to kind of walk through and help you um, that is a third party is always helpful. Um, sure. So, and also it, in that you're working with so many different flight departments. Yes. So you're bringing all this experience and right. being able to make recommendations to individuals based on what's going on as a whole. Correct. Yeah. Yep. Oh, absolutely. And that's, you know, I get that question all the time. It's yeah. like, well, what are other people doing? Yes. Right? <laughs> it's like, well, I got a lot of NDAs I got to yes, worry sure. about, but I'll, I'll, give you the, I'll give you the general yeah. lowdown. <laughs> yeah, sure. But yeah, no. So it's just more, you know, I'm really excited for some of the, the marriage of, you know, and I, I think SD strategy is very smart when it comes to taking sort of the connectivity, the hardware and the software uh, and, and trying to put it together in the sense that there's a lot of really cool tools that can be layered over yeah. top of that with the right data, right? Uh, again, from a proactivity standpoint and a real-time standpoint, um, I think there's a lot of things that are coming that are going to be very uh, interesting and very, um, you know, beneficial to the industry sure. as a whole. Sure. So, yeah, excited uh, excited about all of yeah, that. Yeah, it's all exciting stuff, and we'll, <laughs> we'll see where it all goes right. from here. Exactly. Well, you know, if we can actually make finances and taxes exciting, right? That's uh, <laughs> <laughs> Generally, it doesn't get that reaction. It's all but... order. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. So well, Awesome. I cool. appreciate you stopping by yeah. today. It was good to, uh, to chat, and uh, we'll do it again. Thanks for having me, Greg. Really yeah. appreciate it. Yeah, thank you.